Hello everyone and welcome to the Double View Wrestling Podcast, a weekly podcast where we are re-watching AEW from the very start. But who are we? I am the retired UK Brit wrestler, formerly known as Triggerman, now known as Sid. With me as always is superstar Pete Andrews. I'm here, I'm in my car and I've put it into sick gear, which you could describe as the full gear. Unless your car had seven gears. Yes, it mine has six. Right, so pop gear. <laughs> yes. That's that's a different show. Shit. Damn it. Join us today as we look at the big one, the first AEW pay-per-view since they started television. It's Full Gear 2019. But before we get into all that, talking about Full Gear, yes. what is your favourite wrestler's full entrance attire? I see what you did there. Um, so there's been some very good ones. There's been from some very bad ones as well. Like Some of Triple H's WrestleMania ones are a bit over the top, aren't they? But one of my favourite ones um, is probably an obvious answer that it's going to be one of Shawn Michaels' many fancy pants entrance gears. But I like the one he wore um, at the DX pay-per-view, which was like a big black and green X like across his chest and then all the black and green on his, his entrance chaps. That was a good one. I'm, I've always been very fond of that. There's a, a Mattel figure of that that goes for quite a lot of money, but I always keep my eye on the lookout for it. Well, little known Shawn Michaels fact, but Fancy Pants was actually the gimmick WCW offered him in 97. <laughs> yeah, Fancy Pants Michael Hinkenbottom. Yeah, instead his, his back just hurt and he just didn't work for five years. <laughs> it's for the best. He made the right yeah, choice. <laughs> who can blame him? Um, my favourite entrance attire, It's I've got two. And they're really small ones. Like I, I was thinking of all the big ostentatious kind mm. of like the robes you've had over the years that have been handed down through multiple like generations of nature boys. But actually, I think I am going to go with Bret Hart's glasses. Nice. Yeah. Simply because without them, Bret Hart is an old style wrestler. Hmm. Vince McMahon somehow knew if I give this guy who's a bit boring but a great wrestler, if I give him these one one thing, one tiny thing, just a little pair of wrap, cheap wraparound shades, yeah, it's going to get him over with my sports entertainment audience. Yes. that's And that it's, it's quite remarkable because like Brett was one of my favourites as a kid. And I can tell you what, why he's one of my favourites as an adult, but as a kid, if you ask why he's one of my favourites, he'd be like, well, he's got glasses. Yeah, which he used to give to the little kids at ringside. And then they did the beautiful thing with Owen, where he'd go to give it to the kids and then tear them up in front of them. Yep, yep. The dastardly heart that he was. My other second favourite entrance attire, again, it's another small one. It's the feather boa for Hulk Hogan. Uh, it just... it. It's how do we refresh this guy who's quite limited capacity? Give him a feather boa. Mm. That's it. It totally refreshed him. He got another five years because of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, good, good choices, those. And of course, he realised that switching from the red and yellow to black would be all he needed to be healed. He didn't have the stubble straight away. That that took a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you grew that in. Um, but yeah. No, good call. So from partial gear to full gear, 2019, 
Where are we? When are we? And who's talking? Right, we are in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, USA at the Royal Farms Arena. It is the 9th of November 2019. We have got Excalibur and Jim Ross on commentary in front of a crowd of 8,200 people. And 75,000 people bought this on pay-per-view. Fitting that we're in Baltimore, Maryland, because there is actually a The Wire quote. Later ah, in the show. Ah, yeah, okay. I'll point that out if I remember. Nice. So, obviously, the show starts with a package giving you a kind of lead-up to all the big matches on the show. The pressure intro, I'll call it, because that's what the music was about, and that's that was the theme. Pressure. Yeah. Didn't use Under Pressure by Queen of David Bowie. They used Fozzy. Uh, I, I don't know who they are, and um, whether there's any link to wrestling or anything with Fozzie. Who knows? Oh, that's uh, Mongoose McQueen. I don't know who he is. Uh, no idea. Yes, Never heard of him. The, the intro to this, though, was a bit a bit of a weak voiceover, I thought. like I, I, mm. I, Maybe we were all conditioned for that kind of deep-booming WWE-style voiceover. Yeah. Uh, but this was just like, all oh, pressure. If it gets too much, maybe take a Xanax. It, it was more like an advert than... A wrestling package, I thought. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. We do hit the ground running, though, don't we? Because well, we Young do. Bucks versus the Proud and the Powerful, Santana mm-hmm. and Ortiz. Yes, yes. What a way to open your pape with these these guys. Um, yeah, good stuff. I have a very specific question for you. Go on. On Santana and Ortiz's jackets, they have like they're wearing like sports jerseys, and they've got numbers on the back of the jerseys. Yeah. Santana has two one two, and Ortiz has seven eight seven. Is there any relevance to those numbers? I'm sure there is, but I don't know what. So I did a quick Google. Yeah. And Santana two one two is a drug code for like Central LA. Oh, okay. I was like, right, okay, we're going for police codes. Good, that makes sense. um, So that's Santana sorted. Ortiz with the 787. Maybe I was just bad at Google Foo, but the only thing I could find for a police code for 787 is sex trafficking and forced prostitution (laughs) in Delaware. So (laughs) Delaware? uh, We're in Delaware. Yeah, so I hope that Ortiz hasn't got mixed up in that. Yeah, that would be issue. And don't promote it if you have. Yeah, keep that one quiet. Yeah, don't put it on your jacket. Hmm, it was on four twenty or something. Keep it light. Yeah, it's a family show. Just go. Yeah, it's a family show, so just stick with drugs. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but some some drugs are good, like Imodium. Other um, things to clog you up are available. Or Xanax if the pressure is too much. Yes, good call. Yeah. Uh, Rock and Roll Express are sat in the crowd. Yeah, back. Um, Funky Gibbons and Morton. That's my new name. <laughs> I like it. That works. Uh, and the match starts pretty much like most of the matches on the show. Uh, it starts with a bit of a schmoz. Yes, it does. It does. Um, I mean, with these teams, you know, eventually there's going to be some excellent um, tag team offense from both teams. Both teams are very, very good at that. Um, but yeah, there's been a bit of beef building, hasn't there? We've had Proud and Powerful beat up the Rock and Roll Express and uh, the Bucks come to their rescue and people being jumped wearing Rick and Morty masks. So yeah, it, it was going to start off a bit uh, a bit messy, a bit aggressive 
uh, and it did. That's Rick and Morty masks, not Ricky Morton masks. Yes. Just uh, just to clarify. Well, I would like it if all the crowd had Rick, Ricky Morton masks on. That'd be good. It'll happen one day. I mean, the way wrestling fans are ageing out, it's not mm. far off that happening naturally. True, so very true. Just, yeah. just give it a bit of time there, and, <laughs> and you too can be one of the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, talk us through this match, Peter. Yeah, so um, like I said, it started uh, with the the schmozzy stuff and the sort of the back and forth punching each other, and um, eventually it became the match that you kind of expected these teams to have. And this match kind of made me sad in a way because Santana Ortiz, they deserved a bit better than they got. Eventually, injuries and personal things sort of derailed them a bit, but they came in, and I think a lot of people expected them to definitely win the tag titles at some point and this looked like it could have been the start of that big push towards that for them but it never happened for them they never won the tag titles um and it's a shame because like i say that a lot of people were very invested in uh, proud and powerful early on um and they did have some decent angles and some decent runs but they never quite got the ball so yeah watching this match i was like this kind of showed how good they are um, and it's a shame that they never got their dues. And, you know, they kept up with the Bucks, and that's no easy feat. Um, but I think the Young Bucks like it when they're with a team like this because they can go all out and haven't got to worry about maybe slowing their pace down to keep up with Santana and Ortiz because they they can give it straight back. And like I say, some of the, the double-team stuff in this match was just really cool to see. And I wish that these two teams have had a bit of a better run against each other in AEW because... They didn't do as much as you'd probably expect them to do. Um, so if you are a fan of this match, which I definitely was, um, don't expect too many more, unfortunately. No, it is a shame. It's a very strong opener. And of course, at this point, if you were to give them a big tag team push and get them into, they don't even have to win the belts, but get them in the conversation, mm. yeah, uh, yeah. It, puts, it puts the inner circle over. Definitely, yeah. And I think that was a, a surprise that they never won it because they were a part of this big faction for so long. Um, yeah, and the titles never went their way. It's a shame. The other thing that is worth pointing out, though, I think Santana and Ortiz really did help ground this match as well. And yes. I always prefer it when the Bucks are against a team who counter them with more grounded offence. Mm-hmm. They can still bust out the big tag team stuff, but like Lucha Bros and Young Bucks, when they're against each other, they kind of, it gets to escalation tipping point. And yeah, I kind definitely. of, I would rather see those two teams against anyone else on the roster mm-hmm. than thrown into a big schmoz against each other. Um, but no, this was a really good strong opener. There were some funny moments in it that I hadn't seen before. Ortiz getting a tag on the boot and yes. the referee was like, come on, that doesn't count, that doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, that shouldn't be open to discussion. That should be clarified in the rules. So yeah, I guess yeah. I guess you can't tag on the boot. But blind tags on the back, that's absolutely fine. fine. Yeah. I liked unorthodox way out of a submission move was when Ortiz untucked the referee's shirt. Right, yeah. <laughs> Fun little distraction. Not 100% sure why the referee had to look away to tuck the shirt back in. But Yeah. yeah maybe he's got a really... Horrible looking belly button or something. But the, the weird thing is, the crowd kind of missed that entire spot. They just weren't looking yeah. at the referee's shirt, or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It just it, it was a fun little spot. And it just got no reaction. Mm. Nick Jackson, he he does properly kick the ring post in this one. I yeah. felt, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that that wasn't that wasn't the work. That was a full on. 
And like I, either he's a really very good at selling long term, which he mm-hmm. is. We've established yep. that, or it was actually painful. And I'm I'm quite certain it was the latter. Yeah, I th- I think you're right on that. It, it it made a noise that indicated that he had just booted it. It it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, like, you, <laughs> like you a can't work noise. Face that. Yeah. No, so he has to carry that for the majority of the match, bless him. Mm. Um, there was a great super kick sell from Ortiz where he didn't bump, he just kind of quivered and then yeah. collapsed. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually, star of this match for me, uh, and he's a guy that I've criticised a lot for some strange tongue action of biting the ring and stuff like that, but Ortiz was great in this. Yeah, he was. I mean, you mentioned sort of biting the ropes. He did that and got kicked in the back of the head while he was biting. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a way to lose some teeth, but thankfully yeah, he got away with it. <laughs> Yeah. What I like about Ortiz is he's one of those guys that you could, if you're in the crowd watching, you could keep your eyes on Ortiz through the entire match. And he'd mm-hmm. always be doing something, reacting, oh, yeah. selling the match, telling the story. And there's a lot of even top-level guys that sometimes when they're in a tag match and they're stood on the apron, they just look bored. Yeah, they just stood waiting for their bit. Yeah, if you're not interested in the match... Why should the crowd be interested in the match? But oh, Ortiz, exactly. he's, he's absolutely on it in this one. Mm-hmm. Fair play to him for that. Um, hes You'll never catch him just gazing into the distance thinking about lunch. No, definitely not. Good old Ortiz and his tongue. Santana did get some mouth-based action in on this one as well. Which is what I always look for. I love a bit of mouth-based <laughs> action. One of, the, one of the bucks spits the gum at Santana and mm-hmm. he picks it up, puts it in his mouth and chews it. And gets a really good you sick fuck chant from the yeah. crowd. Dirty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no, especially just yeah, just don't leave that to Santana. Nick Jackson's leg did seem to get a bit better towards the end of this match, but it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Yes. Proud and powerful win with the street sweeper. That's it. Um, yeah, the young bucks on a little bit of a tear of um, putting over other teams at the moment, which is. It's nice to see, and the Young Bucks are so established and so good that sort of losing these matches like to this and Private Party doesn't hurt them, um, but it really does help the team that they're they're losing to. So yeah, it's good to see these early matches from the Bucks where they are helping out the other teams and putting them over. Yeah, it's a good way of doing it because it it doesn't just do the job for the opponent; it it's doing the job for the whole division. Everyone's looking better for this. Um, bit of afterbirth on the match though. Sammy comes out, uh, and he's obviously you know. Uh, what's the word we use? Vamping a bit to the crowd because the inner circle have got a win. Then, of course, they have to turn that against the Rock and Roll Express. They do. <laughs> In a moment, I, I stood up and cheered when something happened with the Rock and Roll Express. When Ricky Morton outworked <laughs> everyone. <laughs> yeah. That destroyer. I, I'd forgotten. Yeah. I'd forgotten. He's an old, an old man. Doing that, yeah. So uh, it was. I think it was an over the ropes destroyer, and it then was. he did a tope yeah. through the ropes as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, like Bucks and Santana and Ortiz doing everything they can to put Rock and Roll Express over. Almost called them the Rip Roll Express, and that's different. Nice, good crowd pleasers. So what I like about that is it doesn't matter that the good guys didn't win. The segment ends with the crowd very, very happy. You almost forget that the the baddies won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ricky Morton saved it at 63 years old he was at this point. The tremendous stuff. I noticed that while he was doing that, his partner was doing 
very little. That again, that's that's the Rock and Roll Express formula. It's worked for him this long, so why change it? It's on brand. Yeah, but the see the genetic of that group is clever enough to not let the old <laughs> one go into singles. <laughs> True. Yes. <laughs> so, so, no, no. I need you. <laughs> <laughs> Second match of the evening. It's Pack versus Adam Page uh, three. I guess if you count yeah. the one that they had in Nottingham as well. Mm-hmm. And I think we do. This, of course, dates all the way back to the AEW announcement in January. Very strangely quiet crowd for this match. It was odd. And it's not like the match was boring or anything. It was absolutely incredible, um, as you'd expect from these two. But Pac was just... He's always good, but this, he was just another level on this one. He, he looked so good. Everything he did was great. And they were... A, a thing that you'll notice, uh, listeners, that I say a lot is they were laying it into each other, which is something I really like. And yeah, both these guys were not holding back in this match; they were giving it the rule. But yeah, the, the crowd was was strangely subdued for a match of this calibre, for sure. You know what? The crowd really bummed me out on this match, and I just couldn't get into it. Um, right, and it is an odd one because, like, if you were to sit there and write out everything that happened, yeah. like. There's nothing wrong with the match whatsoever. It's got a high work rate. Mm-hmm. Both, the, I mean, it's packing up a page for Christ's sake. But yeah. yeah, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy the match, and I am going to sort wow. of blame the crowd for it. I'm also going to blame myself, right? Because I have watched eleven months of story in eleven weeks, mm. and not just that, but I've also been doing new AEW as it happens in 2022 right. as well, which yeah. is full of Adam Page. Mm-hmm. Not against each other, but yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I just overexposed these two guys. So it's really no fault whatsoever to the match itself. But I'm just feeling a bit overexposed on this one. Uh, yeah, it's a shame, but I get it. Um, especially at the moment, because, you know, AEW these days, they do kind of cycle their wrestlers a bit because they have such a big roster now. They will cycle people on and off. But yeah, Adam Page and Pack, especially at the moment, never seem to not be involved one way or the other. They're always there. Um, which I get, they're two of their bigger names, but yeah, seeing them all the time compared to some other people you don't see as often, I can see why maybe you're a bit on burnout with them. It's a real shame, um, but even, like I said, it's not just me, because the crowd were feeling it as well. Yeah. It was, I can only call it a TV match crowd, Mm -hmm. rather than a pay-per-view crowd. It didn't have that extra, oh my God, we're at a pay-per-view. Yes. Talk us through it. Um, yeah, I mean, like I was saying earlier, both these guys in this one were really laying it in. They weren't shying away from hitting each other with big moves and, and making them look like they were doing them for real. Obviously, they're not actually hitting each other, but when they were doing their strikes and stuff, they looked they looked meaty. Uh, and Pac was doing what Pac does, selling things like no one else sells. Um, Adam Page is just so good at this point. Well. I mean, he is now, but he's just so aware of where he is in the ring at all times and what he needs to be doing. Um, And he's still, considering some of the people that he works around, he's still quite young in his career at this point. Um, So to see him look like such a veteran is impressive. And keeping up with someone like Pac isn't the easiest thing to do. And Paige isn't necessarily a high flyer. He does do some incredibly athletic things, like the Buckshot Lariat is an incredibly athletic thing to do. But he keeps up with Pac in this. which no small feat. Uh, something that JR points out as well that he thinks Adam Page is at his best when he's more of a ground and pounder. Sure, mm-hmm. you can bust out the athletic stuff. Yeah. But 
keep it grounded and, and hit people, and that does seem to be his gimmick. Um, for everything I said about the start of the match, though, by the end of the match, there is some very good storytelling built around the buckshot lariat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Pack has that move absolutely scouted. There's at least two occasions where Paige is queuing up for it, and like Pack doesn't even have to evade it. He's already out of the ring. Yeah. So, so it just it it just kills the plan before it can really get going. Uh, and there was a good kind of they flipped it where rather than going for the box shot, Paige kind of gives up on that, and he's looking to get the dead eye. Um, it does really look like Pack's going to win a few times, especially. With the standing brutalizer, he locks in. Yeah. Page gets to the ropes. That's really good storytelling because that's the move that beat Kenny Omega. He didn't get to the ropes in time. It Uh was desperation. It wasn't an evasion. It was a rope break. Uh, And then, like I said, rather than going for the buck shot, he goes for the dead eye, hits the dead eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole ending sequence is great. If you want to see a great ending sequence, watch the last kind of two, three minutes of this match. Yeah, when Pac misses the the Black Arrow, that is some thud he takes on the mount missing that. It's like, ooh. And the camera's pulled back for that as well, so you yeah, really get is, the yeah. height on it. It's um yeah. yeah, it's the ending sequence to this is great. It, it is such a good story. And Pac taking a loss, this is his first loss on yes. AEW, that's a big deal. Definitely, yeah. Wasn't really presented quite as the big deal it was. No, I, th- I think I don't know whether they'd forgotten or it, it, yeah, because it had been like two years at this point. Obviously not all in AW because AW hadn't been a thing for that long. But yeah, he was he was so protected um, anywhere he went um, up until this point. So yeah, it, it was a much bigger deal than like say it was presented as. A couple of funny bits to look out for in a the match. There's a there's a point where Jr. is he's trying to find a way to describe. Pack is like a tenacious animal, and he briefly calls him a wolverine, and then he's like, oh, 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 God. <laughs> oh God, no, no. <laughs> Any other animal. Any, any yeah. Hamster. He's a hamster. An aggressive slot. That'll do. <laughs> Orange Cassidy is, oh, that's my gimmick. The other thing that was a bit odd was there was dueling chance in this one, but like, like, Pack's gimmick hasn't really been I'm the badass you love to hate. His gimmick has been, no, no, I'm a bastard. Yeah, I'd really rather you didn't cheer for me. That's not what I'm going for at all. Uh Um, So bad crowd there. And also, um, quite an impressive move was the brain buster on the chair outside the ring. Oh, yeah, that was awful. Yeah, they have had a couple of matches, so escalating up that does does work for me. Uh, Yeah, really fun match once it got going. But it was a slow start. Yeah, um, true. It's a weird um, one. I think it was just in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. Having this second after sort of the, the opening tag match, yeah, you could have probably had the third match between the first and second. Um, that would have broken it up a little bit. Let's go on to the third match, which was Sean Spears versus Joey Janela. Yes. And we are going to pretend this is the second match of the show. <laughs> yeah, so this was set up. Only on the last sort of shows, really, wasn't it? Between Dynamite and Dark. And I kind of forgot that it was going to be on this show. I, for in my head, I had it as a, um, like the pre show match, which it wasn't. Because now, I guess, if you saw Sean Spears and Joey um, on a card, you'd probably see it as more of a pre show match. Um, and this was the only match on the show that actually that got less than four stars uh, on the main show, anyway. Um, so it shows you sort of the, the caliber of the matches. Uh, this got three and a quarter stars, but yeah, it was a a match that was set up on dark and a bit on dynamite. 
Um, Sean Spears at this point still having a a bit of a build towards him. Um, Joey seeing him on a pay-per-view again, um, it does remind you that Joey was quite a big star uh, in the early days of AW. As soon as they start bringing in other people, he kind of gets bumped down the card a bit. It's a bit like when Taz was in WWE, he had quite a good start and then the Radicals came in and he was yeah, yeah. he was bumped to the side in favour of other people. But yeah, early doors of AW, Joey Janone is kind of a hot property. So these two guys being on a pay-per-view, you may look back and go, well, that's a bit of an odd pay-per-view match. But both these guys were getting a, a bit of a mid-card push at this point. So it's not really a surprise when you look back and realise where we were with these two wrestlers at this point. No, and Joey Janela as well, he did have his own wrestling company for a while. So there is a little bit of doing the favours mm-hmm. for some of the boys that he'd hired in the past. That That's always going to happen in the industry. There yeah, is a little yeah. bit of nepotism and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Joey Janela, I think I finally figured out how to describe him. Okay. It's like if Edge and Stevie Richards had a secret love child who they then left to be raised by the ECW locker room. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good series. I'd watch that. What would you call it? There's the question. Oh, how Stevie got his edge. Oh, that's quite good, actually. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. I've got nothing better. <laughs> so the big spot in this match, um, they did a lot, and they did try and work their hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the crowd weren't really feeling it that much. I suppose the big spot in this match was when Sean Spears ties Joey Janela's hair to the tag rope. Yep, yep. Um, that was rough. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of hair as well with Joey. Um, so whether he had quite as much going out of the match, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Um, in my notes for pros, I've written it wasn't long. True, uh, it was 11 minutes 42. Another good spot was um, the assisted pile driver. Um, where Tully gets involved, the old brain busters finish that was. So that was cool to see. Yeah, and that did really lead directly into the the full finish as well, because it wasn't long after that yeah. uh, that Joey takes a bump off an exposed turnbuckle, and then Sean Spears hits his version of Death Valley Driver, which he calls C4, and then goes for the pin, dynamite, bang. Yeah, it, nothing wrong with the match. It should have been the second match because it was a bit more last-minute build. Yeah. Not a great deal of history. We've kind of seen these guys hitting the second match slot a few times throughout. So let's pretend that's the second match. And then we have the really good Adam Page and Pac match. <laughs> Brilliant. Yes. We've rewritten history. history. Yeah, why not? And there are a couple of little women's spots we should mention. You, you did discuss the pre-show in thinking that Joey Gillespie could have probably been on that. There yeah. was a pre-show match, and that was Brooke Baker against B. Priestley. Yeah, the only match on the show. Um, this match had been built for a while, really. Um, these two had been getting each other's faces and had a bit of heat between each other. So, yeah, to see this kind of on the pre-show, I was like, oh, that's odd. But um, it's probably best it was on the pre-show because it got from the Wrestling Observer newsletter... One and three quarter stars. And I believe it also got Britt Baker a concussion as well with the knee to the back of the head. Yes, yeah, there was a bit of fallout from this. I remember at the time that B got a bit of heat for it, for being a bit unsafe. These things happen. Um, yeah, yeah, it's wrestling. To do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a bit of negativity towards Bree at the t- but uh, B at the time. So, yeah, but these things happen. Yeah, but not probably not. If you didn't watch it, you're not going to miss out by not seeing it. 
to be fair. No, no, fair enough. And Britt Baker won that one, that one with Lockjaw. That's did. her finishing move, which is a modified mandible claw and not the dog from Inhumans. No, that would be interesting if she just brought him out. Massive And dog. he's not actually a dog. He is just a horribly mutated Inhuman. Oh, I never knew that. I just thought it was a dog. There you go. The Terrigen Mist didn't do him any favours, did it? No, it certainly didn't. So in between match, uh, in between match two and three, did you see the little Brandy and Awesome Kong recap? Yeah, we needed that. Needed to see that stuff again. What, what was that for? What was that leading into? It, it, clearly nothing. Clearly, it's his own yep. little pocket universe. Yeah, again. So is that Cody verse or is that Brandy verse? Well, I think it's I think it's Brandy verse because when you see where it goes and who gets brought in, and it's bizarre. We're not even at the really odd bits yet. It's odd, but it's, it gets odder. I can't wait. <laughs> so straight after the Joey Janela match, we have a little backstage interview with Kip Sabian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's getting chatted up by Golden Boy. That's not the right term, but we're sticking with it. <laughs> and he reveals that Penelope Ford is with him now. That's right. Yes. Um, real life blurring into the wrestling world. So, yeah, uh, Joey Janela and Penelope Ford were a fantastic duo. Uh, again, they were a real life couple. Um, they came into the company together. And at the time um, when AEW was formed, it was kind of like Joey Janela was an obvious signing. Um, and a lot of people said, well, Penelope Ford's probably wouldn't have been signed if it wasn't, if Joey wasn't coming in. But, you know, she's still there. Um, and she's arguably done a lot better than Joey did in the company um, as a wrestler um, and as a as a character. So, yeah, it, things kind of switch between those two in the company. Yeah, I'd say she was a good signing and good to keep around. It yeah, is a bit yeah. of rub, rubbing salt in the wound that... Like, straight after the Joey Janela match, you have <laughs> yeah. this announcement that she's with, with Kip Sabian now. And then they literally cut straight back to the ring with a broken and battered Joey still leaving <laughs> ringside, looking gutted. <laughs> yeah. Proper gutted. They Poor really did him on that one. Yeah. Poor yeah. Joey. <laughs> then we get quite an in-depth package, which recaps the tag team tournament. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, considering they kind of almost lost interest about it was it felt like it they lost interest in it kind of halfway through the actual tournament so yeah seeing it the whole thing presented as as important as it was 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 good to see it was a really good way of putting over their tv show as well without yeah. overtly just saying and we've got a tv show it was like this this is where all of this tournament happened in just the last few weeks um but i'll tell you who hasn't forgot about the tag team tournament pete oh and that's lucha bros and their shiny silver medals Yes, they're proud of those bad boys. Can we get a second place chant going? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this match is, of course, Private Party versus Lucha Brothers versus SCU in a triple threat tag team championship matchup. Yeah, so it's it's the top three uh, teams from the tournament uh, vying at it. And um, not an overly long match, um, considering it's sort of a three-way. You kind of think it would be a bit longer for these guys to do a lot more but only 13 minutes compared to some of the matches a bit later on the show which are massively longer um but i enjoyed it a lot um it was probably i didn't enjoy it as much as the first two matches but i enjoyed it all the same um and it, it's what you kind of expect to see from these teams really yeah and scorpio sky certainly puts the scut into a cu 
um, as he has the last few matches, the unsung hero. We had some actual wrestling from uh, Quinn and Frankie at the beginning of the match, yeah. right at the top. Doesn't last that long because, of course, they tag Phoenix in and he goes straight <laughs> to doing his tricks. But it was nice. That's uh, we're, what this is the fourth match, and that was arguably the first bit of honest to god lock up move reversal pin attempt. Yeah. Fourth match we show, first one that's got that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, I guess it helps that sort of private party and SCU uh, kind of face at this point. So it's, they're not going to be growing at it hell and leather to start. So yeah, it was a, a nice bit of change of pace. Yeah, and everyone comes out of this match looking good. Uh, mm. Like you say, 13 minutes for six men. It does limit the amount of spots you're going to get. That might have actually helped the match in some ways. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what this match did. Um, it it made SCU look like stars. Like, if you'd never seen the program before, they look like tag team champions. They look like they should be the best tag team in the company. They work like they're the best tag team in the company. Yeah. Uh, everyone else looks good. They're, they're, they're close, but not quite there yet. So no one goes out looking bad. But yeah, it's... If this match existed purely to reinforce SCU's win and put them it's... over, fine. You did that job perfectly. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the thing. It's it's hard to discuss this match, really, because there's nothing out of the ordinary in it. But that's not always a bad thing. Um, you don't have to be doing all these big, huge sequences and spots and angles in a match to make it good. This, this was just a good, good tag team match. And, you know, a six-man tag isn't going to be easy, um, especially with the time constraints. But yeah, it, it was it was perfectly fine. It, it did what it needed to do. I think that's the thing. If this was the only tag team match on the card, yeah, and say let's let's say it was a four way tag match, and you also had Young Bucks in this, then they'd all be going out of their way to to get their moment to steal the spotlight, and that you'd see a lot of crazy stuff. But given that this is the second tag match, you've already had the Bucks on only a couple of matches before. Yeah. Grounding it and just reinforcing these are the guys, SCU, they're the ones to beat. I think mm-hmm. that being the story of the match massively helped the match. Uh, and of course, there was afterbirth on the match as well. Yes, two pentagons. We have seen that the Lucha Brothers in recent weeks, they've not only been sore winners mm-hmm. from time to time, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're also sore losers. Uh, and they can't take the fact that SCU won this match lying down. So we get a post-match beat down. Mm-hmm. The lights go out. Who penters in the ring? Which one's the real one? It's not an Undertaker-Undertaker situation. Thankfully, they don't um, dwell on this for too long. The two penters rocking around Dynamite. I loved that in 1994, but we shan't <laughs> speak of it. Um, the one that looks like Penta is Penta. Yes. And the one that looks like Chris Daniels dressed as Penta <laughs> turns out to be Chris Daniels. Yeah, I, I thought it was, was one of the conquistadors under there, but yeah, no. Or Curry, man. Uh, Fallen <laughs> Angel Chris Daniels is back doing yeah. the return he should have done at the end of the championship tournament match <laughs> yes. two weeks ago. Like, Because this was the finish to that match. And yeah. then he was like, where is it? And he was like, oh, I don't want to travel that far. <laughs> I'm a bit busy that day. Can we save it? Can I get a pay-per-view check instead? So he obviously saved that return for the pay-per-view. I like <laughs> your reasoning. It was for a bigger paycheck. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant wrong call by JR saying <laughs> Chris Daniels 
by any name, an absolutely key member of them winning the tag belts. <laughs> Taken out right at the start, not seen since. Yeah, didn't really do a lot. The most successful run in SCU's history started with Chris Daniels getting injured at the beginning of the match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no. Fun match, though. Fun match. I did enjoy it. Yeah, good. Uh, and then we get a Rio and Sakura package, which does a really good job of explaining the history of these two. Yes. Student versus teacher. Student versus teacher. Emi Sakura trained Rio. Um, Rio, who has been wrestling for less time than Sakura. Who, sorry, Rio, who has been alive for less mm. time than Sakura, has been wrestling. Package doesn't explain the mustache. No, no. Um, again, probably something. If if you didn't know who Queen were, that would be really thrown you for a loop. Uh, but yeah, doesn't explain it. Just big fan of Queen. For those who are not in the know, she doesn't just have a shave at the start of a match to get rid of her mustache. Scalibur throws some numbers at us from the beginning of this one. The two people in this match, Sakura and Rio, have shared the ring, and that means they've either been the tag team together or against each other or working one-on-one 268 times. Yeah, good number that. Good stat. Pretty sure I didn't have that many matches. No. <laughs> <laughs> and they have had 32 singles matches against each other. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Coming quite close at 17-15. Um, but I can't remember. I think that was in Sakura's favour. So, yeah, it's um, coming off the back of the last show. This is one of the tightest stories of the actual pay-per-view, really. Yeah, it was only Dynamite Week Six hmm. where we had that women's tag belt where Sakura, sorry, it wasn't for a belt; it was just a tag match. Yeah. where Emi Sakura did get a pinfall victory clean over Rio. She did indeed. Yeah, so it's, it's a, such a simple way to get to a title match, um, but it's a good way of doing it. Um, it it adds that extra layer to it. The champ can be beat. This person can beat her. Um, will Rio be able to overcome it? Uh, like she is known to do. That was actually our favourite match last week. So yes, it was, this, yeah. um, this match has definitely got a lot to live up to. Do you think it did? Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was fine. Um, again, it, it wasn't one that I was blown away by, but, you know, there's there's certainly worse matches on this show um, and there's worse matches I've seen. Um, but it, Rio is, is one of those wrestlers. It, she's a funny one for me because I'm always like, ah, oh, it's a Rio match. Um, I'm not that fussed, but she always gets me into her matches. Um, it's, she's just, she's just a funny one to me. I'm never that fussed when I see she's wrestling, but she always gets me behind her, and I always enjoy her matches. Um, and seeing someone she's so familiar with in Sakura is, you know, they're gonna they're gonna know what they're doing, and sometimes that can hurt. I think if you know your opponent that well, you can probably be a bit lazier in the match than you would be if you were in there with someone who you haven't wrestled too often. And this match maybe suffered from that a little bit. Yeah, I think you might be right. Um, there were there was an awful lot of repetition in this match, an awful lot of double stomps and double stomp yeah. reversals and misses. There was a Vader stomp that seemed to only clip the side of Rio, and I can guarantee that hurt more than when someone lands <laughs> on you fully. Yeah, definitely. Lots and lots of stomps. Probably, though, uh, here's a real positive, probably the best rope break I've ever seen in a wrestling match. Right, well, okay. I know that's not a big claim to fame, but like <laughs> yeah. you could see Rio had taken a lot of damage. She was knackered. She knew the pinfall was coming, and she kind of edged a bit closer to the ropes before the pinfall came. Right, yeah. And she really sold that she was trying to kick out and couldn't, 
but luckily she'd got close enough to the ropes and she'd really work, put the work in and thought about that and made sure she got the rope break in on time. Would have been a shame if the referee then missed it, but thankfully the referee did <laughs> yeah. see it. Yeah, that's a good, good job. Uh, and the referee did a good job not only of, of noticing, but reacting to it and continuing to react to it. After the pinfall broke, the two women kind of broke off and carried on the mat. Yeah. And the referee just walked right up to the ropes and double finger pointed it. Um, which made yeah. me chuckle quite a bit. Um, I think he was having fun with someone in the crowd who was obviously kept shouting rope break at them and he just thought I'll have fun with that one person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Happens all the time in wrestling. You get these weird little moments. That's it. The finish of this match was fantastic. Almost as good as last week's. Perhaps mm-hmm. not as out of nowhere as last week's. Yeah. But you had a double Mahishra Cradle evasion where mm-hmm. um, twice Rio had it scouted. And this was in the space of like 25 seconds. There was yeah, a lot of pitfall attempts. Yeah. And there was that huge crucifix pin, spin round, roll through into the pinfall, which got Rio the win. Good stuff. Rio is still our women's champ. Who will beat her? There's a question. I don't actually know the answer to that question either. So oh, there you go. I've got Keep watching. everything to look forward to in that one. Uh, so that was the women's championship match. Next is the men's championship, or as they call it, the world championship. That's right. They never gender the men's belts, do they? It's really weird. <laughs> no, it's true. So we've had lots and lots to work from. So I'm not surprised that the Cody Jericho package here was pretty pretty good mm-hmm. they do announce here though that cody is the face of the company yes that he is <laughs> he's not the champ but he's the face is that more important who knows and the package does a really good job of reinforcing just how pointless the contract signing really was <laughs> yeah. uh, so we are of course into the world stupidest stipulation world championship match that's it yeah if Cody loses it's not that he's not going to face Jericho for the title again he's never going to wrestle for the AEW world championship again I don't think that sold a single extra ticket no no it's a good point yeah, you kind of add these sort of stipulations to get a few bit more interest, don't you? And yeah, I think a lot of people probably thought, well, Cody's winning then. They're not going to make a decision like that and not have him challenge for the title again. Of course, Cody's going to win. As we've said many times over the last few weeks, the match was book, booked. It was agreed to. <laughs> Everyone was happy with it. Like Jericho wasn't trying to hide from it. The match no, is no. definitely happening at full gear. And out of nowhere, Cody's like, well, I'm going to add this stipulation to it. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing did worry me about this point. I noticed there wasn't many matches left and there was still a lot of time on the clock. Yes. Yeah, I I kind (laughs) of thought the same. Um, Yeah, it is a hell of a lot of time as well, especially considering like a couple of the matches on this show have been a little bit shorter than you'd have expected them to be. It's it's an hour and 40 left on the clock. That's almost (laughs) an entire in your house. Yeah, yeah. And the time limit is mentioned a couple of times before the match. Mm-hmm. They show us the judges for this match, the great Muta, Malenko and Arn Anderson. Yeah, interesting little little threesome there. And then the referee, of course, re- uh, sorry, the announcers again reinforce 60-minute time limit, and it gets mentioned a lot through the matches. So I thought they're definitely going to go for that time limit. Yeah, yeah, you would think. You would think. Uh, but, of course, most of that 60 minutes was taken up by Cody's entrance. <laughs> he does love his his enhanced entrances, his little 
orchestral bit coming up through the ramp and yeah, he does standing around looking that. awkward for a bit, and then <laughs> yeah. he was halfway he was halfway down to the ring before his proper entrance music yeah. started. He got bored of waiting. <laughs> uh, it looks for a second like Cody's going to do this on his own. He looks around, there's no one with him. That's a bit unusual. But then out of nowhere, I still don't know where he came from. MJF pops up like a muppet, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, "Let's go, buddy. Let's go to the ring." <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. He was out of nowhere, wasn't he? It was literally. It was like he had one of those little Rey Mysterio entrances, but off camera. Mm. <laughs> He's there. Yeah. Uh, so Cody, Cody makes his way to ringside with NJF as his ringman. Jericho comes out. He doesn't have the whole inner circle with him, but he does have Hate Jagar. Yeah, Big Jake. He's there. great. My favorite. <laughs> just what you want uh, absolutely nonsense thing to point out but they announced Cody as being the grandson of a plumber um, I always find that funny because Cornette always calls Moxley plumber Moxley and it's like right. it's not the in- it's not quite the insult you think it is when you <laughs> yeah. consider the Rhodes family legacy yeah. Jericho though, oh, I don't like to say it he doesn't look well in this one no, um, yeah I mean this is at a time where Jericho isn't looking his best. Um, let's put it that way. Um, yeah, he does look a bit bloated and yeah, not not a good look. And red, like yeah, yeah, really red, really red a couple of times in this mm. one. And I did kind of feel a bit sorry for him because like he's obviously some people say that he doesn't put young talent over, but like he works his ass off and he has worked his ass off to make AEW work. And he's yeah. entertained us all for like 30 years. I'm never going to say a bad word against him, even if I don't like the Painmaker gimmick and he does say some shit on social media from time to time. Yeah, I think with the whole not putting young people over, I think a lot of people see that and go, oh, if you don't lose to this guy, you haven't put him over. And, you know, the inner circle, uh, everyone really, other than Hagar, because no one's really that bothered. But right, Sammy Guerrero was was kind of nothing. He was he wasn't really he hadn't found himself until he joined up with the inner circle. And look at him now. He's just I don't I think if it wasn't for Chris Jericho, Sammy um, Sammy Guerrero wouldn't be as good as he is now. Um, and you can put people over without even having matches with them. Just association will help you. Um, and yeah, Jericho's done such a good job with that, and he's doing a, a, another good job with uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society, getting those guys over. So he can do it. The other thing is, of course, if you put everyone over, you mm. put no one over. Yeah, well, it doesn't exactly. mean anything. Yeah, that's it. Like you, yeah. you, the last thing you want is like Bob Backlund coming back for the sixth time, and he just drops matches to everyone. Like you, you've got to, you've got to make Chris Jericho and the Judas Effect mean something. Yeah. So definitely. when you get his win over him. It means something. That's it, for sure. So what do you think? Do you think Cody's going to go over in this one? Well, he's got to, hasn't he? Because you wouldn't make that stipulation. Yeah, he has to. has to win. He's got to. He's got to go over. And actually, I've got a load of notes on this one. Right. So I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to go through and call out a lot of spots sort of in real time as they happened. Okay. Whereas usually we just kind of do a quick summary. Hmm. This is from where it does have a bit of a slow start, which is, you know, they've got a lot of time to build and yeah. the psychology is strong in this match one, so it, it can have a slow start. Mm-hmm. Jericho plays the crowd perfectly. There's a great point where it heats up a bit and Cody does a tope on Jericho outside the ring oh, and Excalibur's God. like, oh, a tope in front of the judges. That has to be intentional. And it's like, <laughs> well, it was intentional because that's where Jericho was stood. Yeah. 
Had he just done a toe pay in front of the judges with no Jericho, <laughs> that would it wouldn't have made odd. as much sense. <laughs> yeah. Cody does a dive onto Jericho over the rope onto the ramp. So we have a ramp connected to the ring for this show. Yeah. Surprising that we haven't mentioned that until the fifth match, but there is a ramp connected yes. to the ring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a hard way bleed that cuts Cody. Oh, over, it's horrendous. It? Yeah, he lands <laughs> head first on that. I mean, that's similar to the Undertaker WrestleMania one where he dives over and the cameraman's going to catch him and he just plants his head. But yeah, obviously Cody hasn't got as far to go down, so he hasn't got the chance to kind of move his head. Yeah, and he, he busts himself hard way on that. It's horrible. Yeah, you think having less of a drop would help, but it just means the ramp meets your head. Yeah, sooner. exactly. Yeah, you haven't got as much time to, to fix what you're doing. And you can see it's a hard way because when the camera has him in shot, it isn't a clean cut. It's not a yes. line. Yeah, yeah, it is it. jagged. It is a rupture from impact. So yeah, it's, it's horrible. you like your blood and guts match of it. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a real one. Doctor Stoppage, that needs mm. to be added to the Bauer list. That's oh, yeah, a great that's a name. One. Yeah, great giving that, Doctor Stoppage. So it feels like a fight, this one. Um, everything that happens feels like it happens for a reason. There are high-risk big moves, but they feel like risks. They don't feel yes. like spots. Every time they do them, it's like, oh, he's desperate to win this. Yeah, Jericho gets a good slap from Mrs. Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine Helen Hart doing that. No, no, yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah, we don't mean Brandy at this point. We mean um, Cody's mum, Dusty's wife. But yeah, she gets involved. Hagar, he interferes a few times. Again, though, this is one of those things that when you've got when you've got judges at ringside watching the match, like Hagar might be able to sneak a few moves in past the referee. Yeah, yeah, there's three the other judges people. Are see him. <laughs> yeah. That's always a bit weird. <laughs> Hagar gets ejected from the ringside. Uh, much to the delight of everyone in attendance. Jerick, uh, MJF gets perhaps a bit too exuberant <laughs> at seeing Hagar getting ejected. So Hagar attacks MJF. Good heel spot. Probably, probably the strongest thing he's done since not well, walking. Yeah. Yeah. Jericho gets a belt shot attack in. Cody's down. He's kicking out of everything. Beautiful block on the Judas effect. There's a stiff Judas effect coming in. And we've seen this so many times. That move is over. We know it can be hit out of nowhere. Cody doesn't just have the Judas effect scouted, he has a counter plan, turns it into a crossroads, huge kick out from Jericho, and I'm thinking, well, that was the finish. Yeah. Like, that was the finish. The crowd were ready for that. You could have just Cody versed his ass into AW proper. You wouldn't have (laughs) put him on the sidelines. He would still be there, I reckon. If he'd been the champ and they'd pushed him as a champ, I think Cody would still be there. But they get a second chance. Cody recovers, and he's ducking and diving. And he gets in the bionic elbow, and the crowd are nuts for that. Yeah, yeah, they're all in, all in. Let's keep throwback. Put that on the list. <laughs> uh, that's the second chance to put him over, and Jericho kicks out again. And I'm just getting angry at this point. He's <laughs> like, obviously, I know, I know, Jericho's winning. We know that Cody doesn't win out ever. But my God, this was the moment. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, they, they, they had it twice and they could have done it. Um, and the crowd were just so, so ready for it. Um, it's, it's one of those times you kind of think, well, maybe should they have switched it? And they sent sent news to the ref to tell that the wrestlers were actually were going this way. I don't know. But yeah, it, it is one of those one of the shames. There's been a few times I've wanted them to do that in, uh, in AW. Um, the acclaimed... 
like the last pay per view was a big one, of course. But it's just it's just such a shame. I don't know. I m- maybe I'm wrong, but I think if they didn't have another match after this one, if this was your first big pay per view since you got TV and you wanted to send the crowd home happy, mm-hmm. I think Cody probably would have gone over. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But as it was, you get Jericho kicking out of everything. Uh, does a good anti uh, counter, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Cody kicks out of that. Jericho resorts to whipping with the white belt. It's all getting... Like, the psychology on this match is tight. It really yeah, is. Yeah. And the yeah. crowd are getting angrier and angrier. Uh, we get a Walls of Jericho and a rope break. Jericho's so in, um, enraged. He's pushing the referee. Uh, Aubrey pushes Jericho back. So Jericho goes for the Lion Tamer. Stomps on Cody's head a few times. Um, it's a full lion tamer as well, with the knee and the base of yeah, the neck. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Cody's in the center of the ring. He can't get to the ropes. There's nothing he can do. So MJF throws in the towel. He does. He does. Ivan Drago really did a number on our generation, didn't he? <laughs> he certainly did. <laughs> like, we can't see Apollo Creed die again. <laughs> so, like, although I feel that this was the time and Cody should have gone over... Mm-hmm. It's still a strong finish. Yes, it it develops, doesn't it? Something else that's that's going to be happening going forward. So yeah, it it kind of shuts the door on this angle, but instantly sets up a new one. From the Chris Claremont school of writing X Men, don't close <laughs> the door before you open two more. Yeah, that's it. So the inner circle are celebrating. MJF is crying. He's yeah. begging for forgiveness. The inner circle bugger off. Um, now, if if there was going to be Afterbirth, you would have thought it's when all the Inner Circle were in the ring, wouldn't you? Well, yes. Yeah, true. But MJF, crying, he's begging Cody forgiveness. He couldn't watch his best friend die in the ring. It was going to take years of his career. It was the only thing he could do. And then the heel turn. Yeah. We knew it was coming. We've known it was coming from day one. It's just a matter of when. Um and yeah, it was it was it was well timed. I mean, like we've said before, AW can be a bit guilty of extending these turns that you know were coming a bit long. But yeah, they they didn't wait too long with this one. So, what was that moment like back in 2019 when you saw this for the first time? Oh, it was great. Like I say, even then, back then, you knew MJF was a piece of trash. You you just knew it. You knew that eventually he was going to turn on Cody. Um, and I thought this was a great way of doing it. Um, like I say, he'd built up this bit where he was so apologetic and you were you were kind of feeling for him a bit. You're like, yeah, we know he's a, a douche, but, you know, he, he did what he did for his mates. Oh, no, he's booted him in the balls. What a piece of trash. <laughs> and, of course, at the end of that spot, we hear MJF screaming how it's his belt. Yeah. It's my belt. You had no right going for it. It's my belt. Um, now, in a week's time, as we speak in 2022, we're a week away from full gear where MJF does have that title shot against Moxley. He does. And they've, uh, they've got to do it, haven't they? Again, this this could be one of their, one of those instances where they don't give it to MJF and they give it to him a month or so later or something. But if if they do it right, this is, this is his moment to have it for sure. So fingers crossed. Short of Cody Rhodes coming back at the end of Full Gear 2022 <laughs> yeah. and, and throwing in a towel and screwing over MJF, Mm. which I don't think they're going to be able to do no, somehow. No, Like, other than that, I don't see any reason why you don't put the belt on MJF. No, definitely not. 
think um, so fingers crossed we will probably talk about that when it happens even though it's out of the timeline yes true so that was the main event for the belt we now go to the unsanctioned lights out match it's That's mox it. versus kenny yeah, this has been building since day one, really, isn't it? This one. So for me, this match is a good way of sending the crowd home happy. You didn't put the belt on Cody. Um, you had a double heel win, both with Jericho and MJF. Um, so this is this is chance, isn't it? This is. Yeah, I mean, and either way, really, with this one, you're on to a winner because you know Kenny and Mox are pretty evenly matched as far as crowd support goes. So there's not really a bad outcome either way with this one as far as the fans go. No, I'd say that's fair. How can you go wrong with Mox versus Kenny? Again, this we talk about building. This has been building since uh, the last big pay-per-view, yeah. which was all out. That's it. Yeah, I mean, they've been going at it, you know, getting involved in each other. They haven't, they've had sort of been in tag matches together and they've had these pull-aparts and stuff. But yeah, this is, this is them wrestling really and... Yeah, it's, it's been building and building and building. Um, and it hasn't felt drawn out either. Sometimes to build this long can feel a bit, I'll just get to it. Mm. But yeah, they've, they've managed to keep this one exciting uh, up until the match. And of course, Kenny has fallen prey to the paradigm shift on at least two occasions. Once on top of the gambling chips. Yeah. That's a strange sentence. And of <laughs> course, through the table in the backstage area, the glass table, yes, which may just about come up in this match. We will we will we will get to it. So they spend a huge amount of time in the package on this one. And Kenny keeps referring back to Mox's time in WWE. Obviously he can't say WWE. He yeah. can't say Dean Ambrose. They don't want to get sued. I yeah. think that's a real mistake. Because they built yeah. this feud without that, and yeah. like Mox isn't Dean Ambrose. They're... Yeah, they're they're so far removed from each other, aren't they? Um, it's it's an e- it's an easy dig, isn't it? You know, you you are this hardcore deathmatch guy willing to do anything. You couldn't do it for so long. You were neutered in WWE, and yeah, he was. But you know, the Shield were so big and so popular. It's not like his running WWE. He was a joke. Towards the end, yes, he got treated badly, but you know he was part of the Shield, arguably the most over faction in goodness knows how long in the company. He was world champion. He had a good run in WWE, so yeah, it's easy to knock that company. But at the same time, Ambrose was treated as a star there. He was um, towards the end of his run there. Yes, maybe not, but for the for the most part, it wasn't like he was misused. For me, this this whole Kenny promo talking about. Dean Ambrose and WWE, this would have worked really well if we hadn't seen Moxley on AEW yet. If he hadn't come out and put anyone through tables, if it's just Yeah, yeah. You're this big shot. He hasn't they haven't called him by a name. They kind of do a bit of the insiders. You know mm. who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah never yeah. say his name out yeah. loud. Yeah. And then when he comes out and he's dressed as Moxley. You 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 cut to the ring and you show Kenny. Yeah, the Cactus Jack Triple H thing. Yeah, you do the Cactus Jack thing. Absolutely, uh, that that could have been a real moment then, and yeah. that's what that promo was perfectly suited for. But mm, they've kind yeah. of got ahead of themselves a little bit. You can't blame them doing that just before they got TV deal. They had the opportunity to get Moxley in. Oh, of course. So of course you do it, and of course you use him. But what a moment that could have been. Yeah, man. yeah, it's true. It's true. If you have any question about the way this match is going to go, about a minute in, Moxley goes up to the camera 
and says, it's time for some fucking garbage wrestling. <laughs> Jim, uh, Jim Cornette at home going, oh, God, I hate it. Yeah, that might be my favourite part of the match. Because um, <laughs> it's... Well, I want to say I don't like this match. Mm-hmm. And I probably don't, but when it's introduced, it, <laughs> it's time for some fucking garbage wrestling. It's an unsanctioned lights out match. Yeah. It's a fight. What do you expect? Yeah, they're not shying away from what it's going to be, are they? <laughs> you don't watch this thinking it's going to be a, you know, a Kenny and New Japan versus a Carter style match. It's just going to be a, a bonkers thing. And, you know, Kenny as well hasn't, isn't known for this sort of match um, either, especially at this point. Um, he had been in New Japan for the longest time, which is, you know, they don't do gimmick matches. They're they're very work rate matches. That's what it is. It's New Japan wrestling. They don't occasionally they might have some sort of stip on a match, but it's very few and far between. So this is this is something very different for fans of Kenny Omega to see him in something like this. Which is why, to me, that Joey Janela unsanctioned lights out dark matcher a few weeks ago makes even less sense. Yeah, uh, but yeah. We've discussed that before, so I'm not going to dwell on it too much. This is, in the very short history of AEW, this is the third lights out unsanctioned match they've yes. had. Yes, yeah. It's, it's a little odd. Um, my favourite commentary call for this match is from JR. I haven't sent two men go through this much since the the last match maybe <laughs> yeah. where you said the same thing but that was for the belt that was yeah. Cody Jericho Different. Um, like yeah it's I don't know man I, I kind of feel like this match and Cody Jericho almost belong on completely different shows yeah yeah and pretending that you turned the light off didn't really do because he didn't even turn the lights off. That was no. my favourite bit of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a sanctioned lights out match, but for insurance reasons, we can't actually turn off all the lights. <laughs> yeah, we can't find the switch. I'll, I'll let you talk about the match in a second, but before I get to it, I'm just going to say, like, rather than calling out notable spots in the match, I've made a list of notable weapons in the match. So we have a barbed wire bat, a barbed wire broom, a pile of awkward steel. Uh, it's actually like chains, gold chains, but but Gallagher describes it as a pile of awkward steel, so I'm sticking <laughs> with that. There's a mousetrap board, which must have 50 mousetraps on. It's about 25. Uh, there's a trash can, a trash can lid, a fucking ice pit, um, a bag of glass table shards, and a bed of barbed wire. Yes. It's funny you mentioned the, the, the chain. Um, and how that was described, because when he said that, it took me back to a moment. I think it was last this year's WrestleMania, last year's, can't remember. But Bray Wyatt comes out in a in a big box, and um, I think it must have been Michael Cole described it as a box like structure. It, no, it's a box. It's like a box yeah, because yeah. it's a box. <laughs> it's like, why did you have to make up weird names for stuff? Just call it what it is. That's a Vince McMahonism, though, isn't it? Oh, completely. Like, yeah, you can tell. Vince will have said, "Don't call it a box. Don't call it. <laughs> don't call a hospital a hospital." Yeah, yeah. You're like, we're not wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Vince is gone now. So Triple H can finally say hospital on television. <laughs> yeah. uh, we get the both this guys, both these guys chant in this match. That was a that was an interesting <laughs> yes. one. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't think of anything better to say. 
Uh, what did you think of this match? Because you're probably a bit more invested in it at this point than I have been. Yeah, um, I, I like that it was it was silly. Um, like, like you say, the the board with mouse traps on. Just who snuck it in? Um, did the other person like get wind of it, or were they sent up backstage? That's what I always think about these massive contraptions. Like again, like the board of barbed wire that loads of people have to bring out. It's like, well, where's that been all day? Who put that together? Did, did Kenny or Mox just get, go to a room? Don't come in. Don't come in while they were knocking that together. It's just, just silly stuff like that. I can put up with pretty much anything being under a wrestling ring, including <laughs> like light tubes and damn yeah. howls and because they sort of have a reason <laughs> to be under a ring. Yeah. But but the the like cheese graters and mm, yeah, stuff like yeah. that, it's just like well that that wouldn't like the reason why they use tables and chairs is because you're an arena and tables and chairs are yeah, plentiful. Yeah, they used. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah so it, it's it's part of the whole arena experience i think if you're gonna have the silly weapons like a cheese grater or a or a baseball battle just something a bit out of the ordinary have have plants in the crowd and you've said to you said like oh some members of the crowd can bring a weapon like they did in ecw then you can take it off someone because they bought it in that's that kind of gives it a reason for being there problem is though if you do that they're never gimmicked well true that is true and and, and i'd want to know they were sterile as well to be <laughs> yeah sure. that's a good point yeah speaking of ecw yeah although the wrestlers might just get something on the weapon so they're probably less sanitary than the weapon it's yeah. it's a weird one for me i've said this before on hardcore matches um like if if this was the first time i'd seen something like this 20 years ago mm, yeah i'd probably be like oh man this was great but at the same time we still talk about King of the Ring 98 with yeah. the Hell in a Cell 2. People still talk about that 24 years on. Yeah. The thing with this match is, a bit like the King of the Ring match, all the weapons and all that stuff, as fun and like brutal as they are, when they start doing moves on in the ring with the, the mats off it, when it's just wood, that's more hardcore. That's that's more ugh, to me. A bit yeah, like the it King means of the Ring. More. Yeah, going through the, the the cell onto the mat. There's no weapons involved. There's nothing extra, but just having what you've got there already and and using it in a different way, that makes it more brutal to me. But they they go through so much in this match, and I don't hear people still talking about this match now. Three no, years on, no, no, definitely not. It's three years on, and it's like it never happened. It's yeah. really odd. And even I've got to say, I mean, yes, I had a few years off social media. And I wasn't really watching much wrestling, but I don't really remember hearing too much about this at the time. No, I I don't. Um, it it was just one of those matches. I think Mox at this point had had a few matches like this, and it, and even he brought it up in the promos like this is what you expect of me. So it, it wasn't a, a big oh this this is exciting. We've not seen anything like this before because we had. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it it is nothing out the ordinary. Like you say, we've had a few lights out matches at this point so they're not special um so yeah it, it's not there's there's as as hard as they worked and as much as they put each other through in this match like you say it's not like a, oh remember that it is just another match that happened it's it, and it's coming straight off the back of a match which had great psychology and had a big match feel yes yeah, and this yeah. this is supposed to have more gravitas but the stakes are lesser mm-hmm. and that it, no one remembers it. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not it is such anything, an odd is it? It's it's not no. part of the rankings. It's yeah, it's it's just a match. It it felt to me 
like the worst of ECW garbage wrestling and the worst of WCW booking all in one. Right, yeah. No, I see it. Is that is that overly harsh? No, um, I don't think so. I get I get that. So I and we've got to talk, I'm not gonna lament on it too long, but the glass shards in the ring and then in yep. the mouth. If you're gonna bring glass shards into the ring and you cut some of them, you have to see blood. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You have to see blood. If two people are piled on top of glass and then get pulled through it and their back isn't covered in blood and the glass isn't just red and pink. Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, we've all seen Die Hard. We know what happens when a human body runs across glass. <laughs> it just, it yeah. just, it, it looks, it looks more phony than thumbtacks. Yeah. With thumbtacks sticking out of a boot, everyone's mm. like, well, they're real thumbtacks. Yes, that's Flash right. Glass shards that don't cut people. It yeah. just, it just looks wank. And it's not like Mox is one to shy away from getting cut open very quickly in a match, is he? You'd, you'd think he'd be well up for it, cutting bits of him himself to to add to the match. But yeah, it doesn't doesn't happen. It felt a bit like a Disney stunt show. I don't know if you've ever been to like a Disney theme park and they do a little no. stunt show. It's like, oh, that's that's kind of cool, but sort of at the same time, I know you're going to do this five times today, right? Yeah, and you can kind of tell how rote it all is. Even the kick through the spotlight where Kenny does his uh, mm-hmm. the the V trigger knee, yes, mocks through the light spot. That that should have meant something, and it just mm. sort of didn't. I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. maybe I'm being too harsh on this match, but like you've only had TV for six weeks. This is your mm-hmm. first pay per view since you had TV. Leave something for week seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um... It is a show. I mean, I was thinking to myself actually while watching this show as a whole, um, AW is a very different beast now. We mentioned it earlier that they have such a big roster now that people do sort of cycle in and out. People get time off. People get hurt, but it doesn't really matter because they've got a big talent pool to pull from. You kind of forget these early AW shows. They do have quite a limited roster. It's very mm, focused. True. It's not not bad, but it's very focused and very limited. So. You're you're kind of even at this point seeing a lot of the same people wrestling each other, um, and it, it you know I'm not going to say it's stale, but you you kind of know what you're getting um, when these guys are in the ring together. So I think going forward you'll you'll get you kind of get a slow trickle of names, and then a massive amount of names just start getting into the company. Um, so yeah, I, I can't remember sort of when the first sort of big name we haven't seen comes in. Um, but yeah, the, the the shows need freshening up a little bit um, at this point. So it kind of feels like, yes, maybe put the full stop at the end of a lot of these feuds, like this Mox Omega feud at this point. It's like, just let's get this done now. Let's move these guys on to something else. I think that's actually a really good way to look at this show overall. Mm. Uh, in many ways, this this is the end of the beginning era of AEW. Yeah, yeah. All those storylines going back to the announcement with, with Adam Page and um Pat all the way through here, Kenny and Mox since even before they had TV. It it's kind of all come to a head with this first big pay per view. And it's good that we have at least got like your MJF Cody feud. We've got at least one new completely fresh yes. feud going forward to look forward to. That of course opens Jericho up a little bit. So like the future is looking promising, so as much quite like this, as much as I am ragging on this match and saying I don't really like it, yeah, it it does have its place in putting a full stop on the whole yeah storyline. 
and there were good bits. So let's just go into the finish of this match quick. Mm-hmm. The ring canvas, as we said, gets exposed. Mox goes around, cuts the apron off, pulls up all the underside of the ring, um, the apron, and then the very thin layer of foam. That's quite cool because like a lot of people will have never seen yeah. what the guts of a wrestling ring looks like. And I actually think it helps for people just to see, is it is it just wood? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wood. Wood on steel, yeah, a little yeah. bit of foam, and if it's a good ring, there'll be a spring in the middle. Not all that's of them it. have springs no, in the middle. No, they don't. Yeah. It does make a fucking difference, that's for sure. Um, it's, it's a behind-the-curtain moment, and that is what people want to see of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Anything that seems real by peeling back and showing us, that's great. And the crowd loved it. The crowd, I mean, the crowd loved this whole match. They did. If you're yeah. there, you're going to love this match. Yeah. Yeah. Mox wins. So another bad day out for Kenny. Mox wins with a very high paradigm shift onto the exposed wood ring planks after Kenny misses a top rope move. It's very loud. It's very nasty. It is mm. just splat on wood. Yes. Yeah, it's it's the bright ending. And like you said, they've killed the ghost of Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. His feud is over. Let's move on. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, like I, th- I think th- this match was it was fine for what it was. It, it was the, the hokey hardcore stuff. But as soon as that mat got pulled back, that was when it, it became really good to me. I was like, yeah, this, like you say, it feels real at that point, um, which is kind of what you wanted from these two because they had, this heated rivalry going into this, and it, it, it was it was airing on the side of comedy for some of this match. So when that Matt came back and he hit like the the elevated paradigm shift, which is the death rider version of it. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a cool finish. I like I like the end. Yeah, that's something good that you hit on. Like, yeah, we have had the kind of Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc mm. kind of comedy hardcore matches with thumbtacks in the mouth. Yeah. And then, you know, you fast forward four weeks, and that was on free TV. Yes. <laughs> you fast forward a few weeks, and you put broken glass shards in someone's mouth, and you wonder why it doesn't quite have the impact you want. It, that's the reason why. But that was full gear 2019, the first pay-per-view of the TV era of AEW. What were your feelings on the show overall? Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, As we just discussed, it, it felt like a, an end to... The introduction chapter of AW, you know who the main players are. Um, the championships are all in place now. You, you're very, you know who the champions are. They've all had uh, matches where they've defended their titles and they're established. And you've got sort of new names are popping up. So it, it felt like a good show. It was a really strong show. Um, like I say, it, it was really looked at fondly by um, fans and uh, Dave Meltzer. One match on the main card got three and a quarter stars all the other matches were four stars plus uh the last two the highest rated matches both got four and a half stars um so you know looking back it was a very well regarded show it's it's rare you get a show to have that sort of star ratings for every single match i mean even three and a quarter stars isn't a bad rating at all not bad is it yeah uh, no, so that, that, when that's your worst match on a card you've you've done something right for sure yeah so for me this was their first real test Mm-hmm. Uh, all the other shows had big internet buzz. It was a new thing. It's bright. It's shiny. Yeah. Once you're into the grind of weekly TV, mm-hmm. you have that big question mark. Will people pay to see the big matches when they're getting all these people on TV every week for free? And the answer was, yes, they will. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we got a pay-per-view bar at 75000 So, yeah, that's pretty good going. Nice. That's enough to buy uh, an ECW 
or a ring of honor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or WCW. Well, yeah. So let's do the quick rundown as we normally do. Best match of the night for you? Uh, I. Ooh, what what is it? I think probably the opening tag match because I like seeing Ortiz and Santana, proud and powerful, have a, a good showing. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with, go with the opening tag. Nice. I'm going to go with Cody Jericho. I just mm-hmm. thought the psychology was great. They told me a story. It drew me in in a way that not many matches on the show really did. Yeah. And like when when I know Cody isn't going to win, and I find myself getting angry when <laughs> yeah. Jericho kicks out, they're they're, they're doing something that the yeah, wrestling can't always get that reaction out of me anymore. That's more my fault than it is wrestling. But yeah, yeah I, I loved I loved that match. I actually really enjoyed that match. Might be my favourite AEW match so far. Okay, cool. Might also be the most WWE style match they've yeah. had so far, True. which is yeah. a little worrying. <laughs> <laughs> MVP of the night for you. You can't say Scorpio Sky again. No. Um, even though the match, you know, didn't get the buzz you probably thought it should have. Um, I, th- I thought Pack looked amazing. Um, he. He really put over Adam Page. I mean, like I said earlier, Pac's really good anyway, but I felt like he just worked a little even harder than he normally does. Uh, so I'm going to go with Pac on this show. That's a really good call. When you consider how hard he is working to mm. lose, that is that yeah. does say yeah. something about Pac, who, as you say, never looks good. It's a shame they didn't make it mean more, though. That is, that is yeah. my only thing yeah. on that. Um, I am going to say something I didn't think I'd say. My MVP of the match of the show was Cody. Okay. Yeah. I thought he was great. I thought he sold everything. I thought like he looked great in defeat. Mm-hmm. Like they did kind of make him out to be a bit of a hero, even with MJF then instantly turning on him. Yeah. Which could have run the rest and make him look a bit like a chump. Um no, it just brilliant. He he looked like a champion and I wanted him to win the belt in the same yeah. way that when I was watching him against Nick Aldis mm-hmm. on all in, I wanted him to win the belt then and he did. Yeah. Yeah, shit, I like Cody Rhodes. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> cool. So, a four-hour show overall. I'm glad I didn't do the pre-show. Um, yeah, like I say, you're missing nothing on that one. So, I think we are going to close the book on the first era of AEW with Full Gear 2019. Thank you, absolutely, everyone, for listening and doing everything you can to keep us going and sharing on social media and telling people about us. If they want to follow us on social media, where can they find you, Pete? Um, so, yeah, uh, Twitter is my main place at the minute anyway. Um, look for Pitwa on there. You'll find me. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, Pitwa, and my art. Uh, I do a lot of portraits of famous people. Wrestlers are one of the main things I draw. Uh, look look on Instagram for Pitwart. Um, you'll find my art stuff on there. I do take commissions if you're interested. Um, and we've got a page on Facebook for the podcast, WV Wrestling Podcast. Search for us on there. Um, give us a little like, follow, share, and all that sort of fun stuff. Um, and we'll keep you up to date when new shows come out and what we're talking about and things like that. How are you getting on with Mastodon? I've had a look. I'm still not quite sure how it works, but I'm signed up. I'm ready if uh, everyone migrates across. It needs more people, and people need to understand what the different servers really means, because that's still a bit foggy. Right. But I'm there. I'm there as Dire Brave. I'm on Twitter as Hazard. I'm also on Twitter with the double view, at AEW. That's where we talk wrestling at each other. 
and share links to the shows. We will be back in a week's time on Wednesday, every Wednesday without fail. Something will go wrong now. <laughs> so, as always, thank you for listening, and we will be back in a week. See you later. Bye.